Thank you for joining us for this message today. If you're new to the church or want to connect in any way, check us out at harborcitychurch.org. We would love to connect with you. Thank you so much. And with that, let's jump into the message. Just say, want to say welcome to those uh, who are watching online as well. Uh, we're glad you're with us this morning. And want you to know, I just love you, Harbor City Church. You're awesome. And uh, you're a great group. Uh, I do want to make a little announcement. I have more granddaughters here this morning. So if I can have Addie and Hallie stand up. Stand up, girls. Turn around. Let them see who you are. Turn this way over here. That's Hallie. That is Ryan's, uh, not granddaughter, daughter, and uh, his niece over there. Anyway, we're just glad you're all here. One other announcement I want to make is that do not forget to set your clocks back next Saturday. You get one extra hour of sleep. So that means you have no excuse for being late. All right, be here on time. Okay, this morning we are very blessed to have Dr. Ryan T. Hartwig. I still don't know what the middle initial T stands for. Timothy Theodore, I think it's thunder is what I think it is. <laughs> anyway, he's the dean and professor of communications at Colorado Christian University. Uh, he's a great leader, a great speaker, uh, a great author, consultant, and uh, he's a great shepherd. He loves people. Uh, he's written two books, uh, Teams That Thrive and also Leading Small Groups That Thrive. So we had a staff retreat this week, and we brought uh, Ryan in to talk to our staff and kind of bring back into center the idea of small groups and community and how to embrace and value relationships uh, in these COVID times. So he helped us think deeply about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and lastly, he helped us how we can do it better. So we were thrilled with his, uh, just his expertise in that area. So I just want you to know Ryan is our son-in-law. He's married to Jill. We're very proud of him. He's the only one that has a doctorate in our family. And uh, he's just stepped up to the plate and uh, amazing. So would you do a, 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 me a favor as well as Ryan? Stand up and give him a big Harbor City Church welcome as he comes this morning. All right. I am a doctor that cannot help you if something goes wrong, so remember that and stay healthy. But hey, good morning. It's uh, good to see you all today. Um, it is always fun for me to be able to come to Harbor City Church and to open God's word with you. Um, I did spend some time with your staff uh, earlier this week, and I can tell you, I can tell that you are being shepherded well here um, at this church. It was a great joy. April 16th. 2016, one of the most incredible days of my life, because I got to help take my friend to Jesus, and literally right in front of my eyes, Jesus healed him. I want to tell you about it. So I was on my annual guys trip, this was our 20th year, actually, of friendship and life together and discipleship. It started back in college when um, our discipler came to us and said, hey, I see something in you guys, and I'd love to spend time with you. I'd love to invest in you. And we began a small group, a discipleship group. And 20 years had passed. In fact, the night that I'm going to tell you about, April 16th, 2016, was just a few short months, or just a few months short of 20 years 
of us spending time together. But something was different on this trip. You see, on this trip, we'd gotten together every year since that time. But on this trip, we were wrestling with who we were as a group, as one of our friends had just told us he no longer believed in God. In fact, on the very first evening together, we had engaged some really difficult conversations, negotiating who we were going to be as a group, knowing that that core purpose that had brought us together wasn't there any longer. Those conversations, I have to tell you, were hard, but they were good. But I think it was clear as we walked through them that we were committed to our friendship. We had no intention of kicking our friend out. We all figured that we'd invested way too much in each other and cared way too much about each other to do something like that. So it was our last night of the trip and a few of us were sitting out, about, uh, sitting out on the deck about midnight. In fact, I'd wanted to go to bed earlier, but my buddy said, hey, Ryan, would you hang out with us tonight a little bit? You know, would you just come on out and don't, don't go to bed so early and just hang out, it's our last night. And so I said, okay, fine. And so I did and I remember having a conversation with a couple of my buddies that were there, including this friend who'd walked away from faith. And I was telling them about this new like, ministry resource idea I had and kind of its gospel-centered nature. And I remember he was really pushing back. You might even say he was kind of hostile to my Christian faith, the faith that we had once shared together. We kept talking, and I remember about an hour later, something significant shifted. And I remember he got up and he said, Ryan, I've missed out on so much life with you. I've pushed you away. And then he came and he hugged me and he just started weeping. Honestly, what happened next over the next few hours is really hard to describe, but I can tell you that Jesus showed up on the scene. See, we talked and we prayed for a while, and it seemed like my friend over those hours, like God took my friend deeper and deeper into his heart and into his hurts and softened him. Soon enough, not all of us were out there. We realized we better go wake up the other guys, and so we did. We woke him up and said, hey, God's doing something cool on the deck. Get up. Come on outside. Remember, they came up, they wrapped themselves in blankets. It was a chilly evening. And we came and we sat on the deck. Right around three o'clock in the morning, I think, it was really clear that through weeping tears, my buddy was met by Jesus. See, what started as a reckoning of our horizontal relationships, my buddy was saying things like, I'm so sorry, I've hurt you so much, I've missed out on so much turned into a reckoning on my friend's relationship with Jesus. He started saying things like, I've never experienced this before. He said, Jesus, if this is you, I don't want this to be you. I don't believe in you, Jesus. I don't want this to be you. At one point, he shared with us some other religious spiritual experiences he'd had in years past. And through tears, he said, guys, I need you to fight for me. And we did, and we called out to Jesus. We asked him to come and to heal our friend from his great spiritual brokenness. And then while my buddy was hugging my other friend named Matt, my buddy finally kept saying, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. I don't want to believe in you, but I believe in you, Jesus. And I got to tell you, just then the sun came up. It was about six o'clock in the morning. We had fought for about six hours. And sometime right then as the sun was coming up, God was making all things new in my friend's heart. Through our tears, we all stared quietly, absolutely overcome 
by what God had just done and by what we had witnessed. It was truly unbelievable. In the days afterwards, we, were, we went home, we were sharing some emails, and one of my buddies wrote this about the evening. He said this, he says, the presence of the Lord was there, undeniable. The Lord spoke to you and through you. He said, you appeared, he's speaking to my friend who, who had this, this moment, right? He said, you appeared almost drunk the entire time, which is understandable as you let go and let the Holy Spirit work. You went from possessed or afflicted by evil to indwelled by the Holy Spirit. He said, God allowed you to verbally expel so much and ultimately praise him. He said, you demanded our physical presence and our physical touch. Went on to say, the event reminded me of when Saul met Christ. Jesus simply intervened and overwhelmed him. And then catch this. He's, he said, the event warmed a giant spark of life in my heart for Christ. He is real. He works. He loves. He calls. I bet you now know why I say that was one of the very most incredible moments of my life. See, God allowed me to be a, a part of a community of friends who recognized the need our friend had, then fought to get our friend to Jesus, the true healer. And I saw with my own two eyes, Jesus, heal my friend. And I gotta be honest, it left all of us who are watching utterly speechless. We really had no words. We're sitting like, oh, what just happened? See, this morning we're gonna be in, in Luke Chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And what we're going to see as we look here at this passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus heal a paralyzed guy. Honestly, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because there's so much great stuff going on. See, this too, this passage in Luke 5, is also about a story about a community of friends who saw their friend's need for healing, who, threw, who pushed through obvious challenges to get their friend to the healer, all of which left the crowd who was watching utterly speechless. So what I want to do, and you can go ahead and go there now and get ready, okay? Go to Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this remarkable story, and we're going to try to understand what is going on with it. And as we do, we're going to take two passes, two passes through this, okay? The first pass as we walk through it, we're just going to look at it and say, okay, can we understand the story? What was going on in the story? In your notes there, you see that you have a, a table with two columns. You might want to kind of fill out the, 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 the column on the left there, okay, as you understand the story. And then we're going to come back and we're going to make another pass through the story. And at that point, we're going to say, okay, Lord, what are you saying to us? And how might we need to apply that to our lives today? Honestly, I believe that this passage is an incredible call to the church and certainly to this church, Harbor City Church today. So let me pray for us as we get ready to get into God's word. Lord, I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for how your word encourages us, challenges us, pushes us, Lord, and helps us to see, God, how you are at work and how you use us, God, in community to be about your purposes. Lord, you know what each person in this room needs to hear today. You know what each person needs to do with this today. And so, God, I pray that in your kindness, you would show that to us, Lord. God, I pray that as I speak today, Lord, I would not get in the way at all of what it is that you want to say. Lord, I pray that I would be a clean pipe through which your word, God, and your love for your people would clearly come through. Lord, show us today, God, what you have for us. 
as we open up your word in the gospel of Luke. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So you ready? Pass number one. You ready to roll? All right. I like it. I like that. Okay. That's good. Okay. So pass number one. Okay. And you see there's five things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about as you go down that, you know, on your little chart there. Okay. The need, the challenge, the community, the healer, and then finally the impact. Okay. So go ahead and grab your Bibles if you're with me. We're going to start in verse 17 and we're just going to walk through this fairly slowly. Okay. So in verse 17, here we go. On one of those days, as he, this is Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. So you get this, right? There's a bunch of people who are gathered together and Jesus is healing. And if you look at this in context, you see this is early in Jesus's ministry and he's healing lots of people, right? He's kind of, he's kind of showing who he is. People heard about it. They're all come to this house where they're hanging out and Jesus is healing. Verse 18, and behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. So what's the need here, right? You got a guy who's sick. You got a paralyzed guy, right? He's broken. His legs are broken and he is unable to walk. He can't get to Jesus himself, right? His legs are broken. He's paralyzed. And so what happens, his buddies carry him on a stretcher, right, on a bed. They carry him to get him to Jesus. Certainly they are hopeful that Jesus just might be able to heal him. Okay, so number one, the need, the need was there was a guy who was sick. There was a guy who was paralyzed. Okay, got it? Number two, the challenge. Pick back up reading the second part of verse 18. So some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd. And here we have our challenge. I want you to catch this. This is certainly not an incidental part of the story. The challenge here is there is a crowd around Jesus. They show up, right? And just imagine this, right? They got their guy who couldn't walk to Jesus. So they put him on a stretcher and they have hauled him all the way to this house where Jesus is, hoping that Jesus could heal him. But all of a sudden they get there and it's crowded. Can you imagine your frustration? I'd be frustrated, right? I just carried my bro all the way over there to get him healed. I mean, think about this for me, right? Maybe, maybe for you as well. I get frustrated, I show up to my favorite restaurants. I walk up and they're like, sorry, we're full. How dare you be full, right? I'm angry. I want to be able to be there. These guys had brought their friend who needed to be healed and it's crowded. It's crowded. They can't make their way in. There was a big crowd that was in the way to Jesus. Let's keep on reading and we'll start to see the community of what they do here, okay? So, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, we're in verse 19. That, listen to what they do. They went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Now, this is a very short sentence, but boy, is it packed with a lot of stuff. So these guys are like, okay, we brought our guy. We pulled him over. We got him here, right? He's, he, we want him to be able to get healed. We show up. There's a crowd. So what are we going to do? They're like, fine, no worries. We'll get him up on the roof and we'll dig a hole. I mean, check out these guys. They literally took him up on the roof, dug through it, and then dropped him down. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I read my Bible and I'm just like, I'm just like rolling through, right? I'm just moving. And I see something like this and I'm like, whoa, look at those guys. That was cool. They were persistent. You realize there's a whole lot more going on here than being persistent. Can you imagine the audacity of what they did and the looks that they must have gotten? Right? These guys get there. Again, remember, it's crowded. I think a lot of us would have gotten there and be like, well, shoot, I guess we can't do it today. We'll bring them back another day. We'd be like, oh, I'll give up. Not these guys. These guys are like, I know what we can do. We got an idea. Let's get them on the roof. Let's make a hole. Let's create a huge disturbance. Let's make a huge scene. And we can get this done today. I love these guys. They're just like, we can do this. No problem, right? No worries. So what do they do? They get them up there, right? Which is, which is already a pretty cool feat. I mean, have you, I mean, when's the last time you tried to get somebody who can't walk up, up on a roof? You know, that's pretty impressive already. Now they get up there and like, now what are we going to do? Well, we got to dig through the roof. Now, now, now let's think about what roofs were like back then. So roofs back then, right? So you had like these wood beams, okay, that would go across. And then they would fill it with a, with a, with a mixture of mud, mortar, sand, and so on, right? They, they'd fill this kind of thing in. And then, you know, actually, they would do that in such a way that oftentimes like grass would grow on that and so on. I mean, these were, these were, like, these were like our roofs today. Right? It wasn't like shingles and some plywood. You just pull up, pull, pull up the nails, we'll figure it out. Right? So imagine, right? These guys are up there like, we're going to dig through this. And that's what they did, right? So first of all, they had to move the stones so on top of the wood beams and then the mud and so on. Were these big stones. So they moved the big stones. And then what are they going to do next? Like, they weren't planning to go like, to like a church work day. They didn't bring like shovels and pickaxes. Right? They weren't doing that. So they get there, like, what are we going to do? we got to dig through this. And so they go down with their hands, and they're digging with their nails, trying to open this thing up. Now, what do you think they're thinking down below? I mean, just imagine this, right? People down below are like, hey, what are you doing? What's your problem? There's dirt coming down on us. There's mud coming down on us. Hey, we're getting dirty. We're getting messy. This isn't safe. Stop it. These guys are like, no, 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 we got work to do. I got work to do. I got to get my buddy to Jesus. I am desperate to get my buddy to Jesus. So I want you to notice the dedication and the mess they must have made and the ridicule they must have experienced. I mean, imagine how people must have responded. I got to tell you what, I really love these guys. What dudes, right? So Pastor Warren Wearsby, who was the pastor of Moody Church, the church where Dwight Moody when he preached and started in Chicago, he says this, and catch this. He says, we must admire several characteristics of these men, qualities that ought to mark us as fishers of men. He says this, he says, for one thing, they were deeply concerned about their friend and they wanted to see him helped. They had the faith to believe that Jesus could and would meet his need. They did not simply pray about it, but they put some feet to their prayers. And they did not permit the difficult circumstances to discourage them. They worked together and they dared to do something different. Wow. Wow. What a bunch of guys. Next, we come to the healer. Now we get, now we get to Jesus. Okay? So remember, remember in verse 19 there, right? The, the, the friends come, right? So they dig through. They push through the challenge. They get their friend to Jesus. And now we're going to pick it back up, starting in verse 20. Catch this. Oh, this is my, maybe my favorite line of the whole deal. Verse 20. 
And when he, this is Jesus, and when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? The friend's faith. When Jesus saw the friend's faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, when he perceived their thoughts, they just weren't quite quite buying it. We're not so sure that you can actually do that. We're not so sure that you've actually done anything. Jesus answered them, why do you question in your hearts? And he says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. What he's saying is here, let me prove it to you. You want to question me? I'm going to prove it right now. Watch out. Watch what I am going to do. And then he says to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Wow. Holy cow. The healer shows up, right? When Jesus sees the friend's faith, catch it, he forgives his sin and he heals his body. Not just the spiritual, but the physical healing as well. He puts them together. I don't want you to miss a couple of really important things here. The first thing is this. The community of friends' faith somehow influenced Jesus. Now, I've been a Christian for a long time. I have a little bit of biblical and theological training. I don't quite exactly know how vicarious faith works. But let me tell you, when I look at this passage, it's incredibly clear that it says, when Jesus saw their faith, somehow it matters. Somehow it matters how we believe for our friends. Second thing I want you to not miss here is that Jesus was the healer. Don't don't miss this. The friends did not heal him. They didn't do a bunch of psychotherapy. They didn't figure out his Enneagram number and then try to help him find a way so he could be most his true self. They They couldn't deal with his paralysis. No. What they did was they took him to Jesus. They took him to Jesus because Jesus is the healer. And then number five, we get to the impact. We'll finish out our passage here, verse 26. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, right, just being there? Like what they're saying, right, is that everybody is there, including the folks who were like down here when the, when the dirt was raining in and the, down comes a guy. All those guys down here are like, wow, what has just happened? We have seen extraordinary things today. Oh my goodness, I love it. I love it. What a passage. See, so this is a story about a community of friends. And if you're running, fill out your notes. You can fill this in here. This is a story, I want you to see this, about a community of friends who recognized the need, who, threw, who pushed through obvious challenges to get their friend to the healer and then left the crowd who was watching speechless in awe, in worship of the true healer, Jesus.
Now it's time for us to take our second pass. We all understand the story. We all understand what happens. Now we get to apply it to our lives. Now we don't get to just say, okay, I'm going to try to understand that from kind of a third party, like a third person from a distance perspective. No, no. Now we say, okay, how does this apply to me? And I want to ask you, as I talk over the next like 10 minutes, would you please do me a favor and don't just listen to what I say, but please listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. Please listen to how God prompts you and how the Holy Spirit challenges you here so that you can do something with what you learn or what you see in this passage of scripture today. Ready for our second pass? Here we go, okay? So we're gonna start back up and this is you go through like on the right-hand column of your notes if you're taking notes, okay? So here we go. So in our story, so we start with the need. So in our story, we had a paralyzed dude. He was broken. His legs were broken and he could not walk. Now, I don't think many of you are like paralyzed from the legs down. Maybe there are some. But probably most of us aren't that way. But we are broken in our own ways, right? So what about you? What about, what, what, what's your broken? Where are you broken? Where are your friends broken? See, there's brokenness all around us. Sure, most of us are not physically paralyzed, but maybe you feel paralyzed in terms of dealing with nagging sin. Or maybe you feel paralyzed in terms of pursuing what's right in a relationship. Or maybe you feel paralyzed in taking the next steps in your relationship with Jesus. You can see it. You kind of know what you need to do, but you feel like you have no way to actually get to Jesus. You know you're broken. You know you're hurting. But just like the guy in our story, you don't feel like you can walk to Jesus by yourself. Be honest with yourself. Is this you? Might this be a friend of yours? So where do you see brokenness? Where do you see needs? in you and all around you. Number two, the challenge. So in our story, the space was crowded, right? There was this crowded space. It was hard to get to Jesus. There was a crowd that was preventing those guys from getting their friend to Jesus, who they knew they had to get him to. Let me ask you, any of you ever feel like it's hard to get to Jesus? Any of you ever feel like life can be really crowded? Like there's lots of competing demands. Like it's hard to get to Jesus because of everything else that's going on in our minds and in our lives and in our society. Any of you feel like it's hard to lean into the community that can help you get to Jesus or that you can help, or through that community, that you can help others get to Jesus? Any of you feeling like sometimes it's hard to get to Jesus or it's hard to get into a community that can bring you to Jesus because of this virus? It's just so dang inconvenient to wear masks all the time or to go on Zoom or to do whatever it is we have to do. And so we say, I will just step away. I won't press through. Or maybe it's hard for you to get to Jesus or to stay connected in a community because it's hard to stay, to connect, with, it's hard to stay connected with people who've taken divergent paths. Maybe someone you grow up with is now going to vote for the different dude than you're going to vote for. Or sees a gun, gun, gun control or gun violence issue differently than you see it. Or whatever else. And you're like, I'm not sure we can really hang out any longer. Or maybe it's that you're preoccupied with the things of this world rather than the things of Jesus. 
Maybe you're preoccupied with our election or your, or your livelihood or your making of money or your entertainment or your comfort. Let me be honest, my daughter is here and she would say this too. I oftentimes get preoccupied with my own entertainment and my own comfort. I can be incredibly selfish. And because I want what Ryan wants, I'm like, you know what? I'm not so sure I'm going to engage so much in community. Or maybe you find yourself in a set of difficult circumstances, very legitimate difficult circumstances, time challenges, money challenges, health challenges that make it hard to find or to make the time. But remember, what did our guys in the story do? They literally dug through a roof. What can you do? (laughs) What might God be asking you to dig through so that you will be in community such that you can help take your broken friends to Jesus or when you're broken, they can help take you to Jesus. What are you willing to dig through? What are you willing to do? Number three, the community. So in our story, we have these guys who carried their buddy on a stretcher, took him up on the roof, dug through it, and then dropped him down. Certainly they cared deeply about their friend. They believed that Jesus would meet his need. They didn't just pray, they did something. They were persistent and they were committed in the face of ridicule. Of ridicule. So first, think of yourself and your own brokenness. We've all got some brokenness, right? So who are your people who love you enough to get you where you need to be? Who are the people who will recognize your need and will push through the challenge to get you to the healer? See, I certainly hope that you have a community like that. I'm glad that I have a community like that. Do you? Do you? If not, I sure hope you'll get into it. Certainly life was not meant to be lived alone. And I know here, even at Harbor City Church, there are lots of small groups. There are lots of communities where you can form that kind of a community. There are, there, there are, there are men's groups and women's groups and Bible study groups and connection groups and marriage groups and service teams and leadership teams and all these kinds of things that can be exactly the kind of community that sees one another's needs are willing to push through the challenges and to get one another to the healer. You see, it's in these kinds of groups that we become known and we seek to know others. We pursue Jesus' best for our lives and we fight for one another. I tell you, I will never forget for the rest of my life that moment where my buddy asked us to fight for him. I will never forget it. He's like, guys, I feel like there is a spiritual battle right now. And he goes, guys, I need you to fight for me. And I was like, I'm in. I am all in. I am here for you. I will fight with everything I have. Do you have people like that fighting for you? Do you know who those folks are? When you need someone to fight for you, that they're who those folks are going to be? And secondly, and secondly, are you fighting for others? Are you part of a community of friends who's taking your friends to Jesus, even when it's hard? You see, if you're not part of a community of friends, perhaps a small group here where you are pushing through the challenges to get your friends to Jesus, you should be. I think it's probably worth all of us being honest for a second. So if it's true that the man's friend's faith somehow influenced Jesus, which is you realize what Luke tells us. Luke tells us that when Jesus saw their faith, he healed them. If that's true, 
what do you think Jesus would say about your faith, my faith, based on how desperately we take our friends to Jesus? A friend, serious stuff is at stake. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get involved in community, both for your good and for the good of others. Number four, the healer. Number four, the healer. So in our story, Jesus shows up, right? Jesus is there, and Jesus forgives the man's sin and then heals his body. See this? See, he does the spiritual healing and he does the physical healing. Check the connection here, right? Jesus says to the Pharisees, you don't believe me on the spiritual? You don't think I can do it. You don't think I have that power. Well, that's fine. I'll do the physical to prove it to you. You see, notice this. Jesus does not just care about his spiritual, but also his physical needs. I wonder if it goes that way for us sometimes as well. Okay, right, we, 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 we care about people's spiritual condition. We want them to be right with God. We want them to be in a relationship with Jesus. But they're like, do you really care? Are you really in? Do you really care about my physical condition? Because I've got real needs too. I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. I don't know how I'm going to continue to put food on my table. I don't know how whatever. I have real legitimate needs. See what Jesus did? He's like, you want to, I'm going to prove it to you that I can do the spiritual by doing something with the physical. So I think this is quite a call for us to follow Jesus here. Yes, care for the spiritual, but also prove it by caring for the, spirit, by, for the physical needs of people again. And one last time, I have to remind you of this. Jesus is the healer. You know who's not? You. Me. Any of us. Don't forget this. Don't miss this. See, if, if, if we're honest with ourselves, I think too many of us think, too much of ourselves, we think that we can heal. We try to step into Jesus' role. We try to step into be the role of the healer. And when we do, we actually distract our friends who desperately need Jesus. That's a tremendous mistake. So let Jesus do his thing because Jesus is the healer, not you. And then finally, number five, Number five, certainly in our story, right, we see these people who are amazed and then who give this glory to God and who say, what an extraordinary thing that we have seen. You see, when you see Jesus move, it will be incredible. You will want to tell other people, like I just did telling you about my buddy and telling you about how Jesus healed my friend and your faith will be strengthened just like it was for me and my friends as we watched Jesus work. So I gotta ask you, what do you think Jesus is saying to you? Right? Remember I asked you just a few minutes ago, I said, don't just listen to my words, but would you please listen to the Holy Spirit's words in your life? What is he saying to you? So what is Jesus saying to you as you reflect upon this story? Maybe in other words, what are you going to do with this? How do we move it from, from knowledge that goes in here to action that, that lives into our heart and out through our hands and out in the way that we live our lives? So I think for many of us, we love to kind of find ourselves in a story. And probably there's two places where you can find yourself in a story. Okay, two places. The first one is the person who is sick and broken. Is this you? Do you know that you've got needs and you need, and do you know that you need a healer? Maybe that's you. 
The second place you might find yourself is the friends who love their friend enough to push you the challenge to get their friend to Jesus. Or maybe better said, you're like, I know I should be that kind of a friend, but I'm not sure I am that kind of a friend. Right? So maybe some of you are like, I am that friend, and I'm encouraged by the way you've seen God move and heal your friends. But others of you are like, I'm not sure I'm really pushing through the challenges. I'm kind of a wimp. I'm the guy who would say, well, we tried, didn't work, so let's try another day. Maybe you realize that you need to push through the challenges to meet and connect with your community so that you can take one another to Jesus. See, I want to encourage all of you to engage in the kind of community so that even if you're not today feeling that kind of, that, that brokenness, right, that need right now, that you will have the community when you do experience that. Yeah. All of us are, will face that. We'll face these times of significant need. And boy, when that happens, I hope that you are surrounded by someone else. And you need that kind of a community so that you can be that kind of a friend who will push through the challenges to get your friend to Jesus. So like I mentioned before, I just want to encourage you. Small groups are a place where that can happen. If you're not already a part of a community like that, I want to encourage you to become a part. Whether that's a service team or a Bible study group or a group of friends who share gospel-centered friendship, whatever it is for you, be sure that you have that kind of community. And then show up, give it your best, and be willing to push through the challenges to get your friends to Jesus. Lean into community through the small groups that you have here. Now, maybe some of you are saying, but I don't know people, or I'm not sure I'm going to like them, or, 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 or how can I trust them? I hear you. I hear you. But give it a shot and watch what happens when you hang out with people. My bet is that if you actually seek to be a community of friends who pushes through the challenges to get your friends to Jesus, you will come to know them, appreciate them, and trust them and maybe even like them. Maybe even. So finally, I want to land here. Maybe you listen today and you're like, you know, I think my biggest challenge right now is I find myself broken and in need of a healer. And if that's you, you've come to the right place today. See, this is a community. This is a church that will push through the challenges to carry you to Jesus. Let me assure you, the healer is here, and he wants to heal you. Because I can tell you from firsthand experience, Jesus is real. He works. He loves. He calls. Don't miss his voice today. Let me pray for us. Lord, as I prayed earlier, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for how you speak to us. God, I know that as I prepped and wrote this message this week, you challenged me. And there's some things with what, um, with what I've read and with how, your, with how your word has spoken to me. And I think that you are doing the same thing here, God. I think that you are here and I think that you are moving and I think that you are talking to your people. And God, I ask that you would do it clearly and I ask that you would do it forcefully. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would not let us just like wriggle our way out of what it is you want to say to us today and how we might apply this message on community. God, help us not wriggle out of it, God, but help us to respond to it. Help us to respond to it, Lord. God, I pray for those who need a healer, Lord. I pray that they would run to you, 
God, I pray that you would, you would throw out your open arms where I know that they are, Lord. And I pray that you would just, yeah, even in their hearts, Lord, you would encourage them and you would draw them to yourself. And God, for those of us who need to be, who need to be good friends, need to be people who are willing to push through the challenges of doing community, even in these difficult times, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that you would gird us up. God, I pray that you would push on us, Lord, so we would be the kind of friends, Lord, that we read about in this story. God, you are the healer. God, you are the healer. God, we recognize that. We don't want to get in the way of that. So God, we say, would you please do your thing today and all days? And God, help us to be faithful. God, to do the thing you've called us to do, which is to be communities of friends who bring our friends to you, the ultimate healer. In Jesus' name. Wasn't that a good word? Very convicting. Why don't we uh, stand and let's worship uh, for a bit here. Thank you for joining us today. We have a lot of great resources for you over at harborcitychurch.org. Come check us out, and I hope you have an awesome week.